If I hire that person and they misrepresent my brand or they misrepresent the outcome or the mission that I'm trying to achieve, I have a lot of fear around what might happen to the business that I've put together over the last four and a half years. But you can literally go scour the internet for anyone you want and then say, here's my vision, come join me, let's do this together. How fun is that? Welcome to Creator Debates, where we have stupid arguments to help creators make smart decisions. My name is Justin Moore. I'm the founder of Creator Wizard. I'm your host and referee. Today, we're talking about the pros and cons of building a team or staying a solo creator. I'm gonna get vulnerable with you for a second. I have some psychological trauma around this topic because I ran an influencer marketing agency for seven years. Initially, it was just me, but as the business started growing and I started struggling to keep my head above water with the work, I did what I thought you were supposed to do. I hired an employee. That went well, so I hired another and then another. Fast forward five years and my payroll was almost $50,000 a month. I know that seems like a lot, but we were also making a lot of money, pulling down multi six-figure brand partnership contracts. But then everything came crashing down in 2020 when the pandemic started. I tried everything that I could to save the company, but it just wasn't enough and I had to lay off all my employees. It was the absolute lowest point in my life, emotionally, and professionally. I spent several months in a really dark place. But thankfully, I emerged from those ashes and started Creator Wizard, and it's really starting to grow. But now I have this crippling fear that if I start hiring too many employees again, it's all gonna come crumbling down like the agency. Even though I'm aware of this limiting belief, it's super hard to not let the anxiety creep in, especially during fluctuations in revenue month to month. And sometimes I wonder, do you really need to grow a team to build a successful creator business? Is it possible to stay solo and still thrive? I'm honestly not sure, which is why I asked two experts here today to settle this debate once and for all. Barrett Brooks is a writer, coach, and previously the chief operating officer at ConvertKit. So you can say he knows a thing or two about building teams. Justin Welsh, on the other hand, runs a one-person business that teaches creators how to identify, develop, and monetize the skills they already have. So by the end of this episode, you'll know when is the best time in your creator journey to make the decision to grow a team versus stay solo, the unexpected and surprising benefits to both, and honestly, the only thing I really care about, who is a better creator debater, Barrett or Justin? So let's get into opening arguments. So Barrett, tell me why growing a team is something that every creator should aspire to. You have two minutes. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I'll start with I'm a coach, so my job is to help people make the right decisions for them. But I'm going to play the character of believing growing a team is the right way to go today. Um, First of all, so many people that are entrepreneurs and creators have had experiences like you. Horrible cultural experiences, bad managers horrible, like traumatic team experiences. And so often that results in hiding and fear and not wanting to go through that again and not wanting to recreate that for others. I think that's the exact wrong reason not to hire a team. And there's three reasons why I think you should. The first is I think you can experience so much love and belonging by being the CEO of a company that has people working for it that you like and care for. The second is Uh, you can create the kind of place that you've always wanted to work for. So you can go out and you can create great jobs for others. That's the kind of job you wish existed back when you were looking for them. And the third is you can make a lot more impact and a lot more money by hiring people. 
Um, impact for me is the name of the game, why we're in business. It's why we do what we do. I think that the most enlightened leaders uh, think about how they're changing the people that they serve, their customers through what they do every day. And by hiring a team, you can reach a lot more people, you can make a lot more impact, you can change a lot more lives. And usually if you're good at that and you have a decent business model, that leads to more money as well. So I think that's a minute and 20 seconds, but I'm efficient. So those are my three reasons. <laughs> Got it. Well, Justin, it's your turn. Why is growing a team maybe a not so great idea for creators? Two minutes. Yeah, much like Barrett, um, I don't know that it's not a good idea, right? I think I, I hate speaking in definitives and I don't think solopreneurship is the right model for, for everyone. But I'll tell you my story, which isn't too dissimilar from your story, Justin, which is I did a decade in high growth startups. You know, I started at the bottom kind of knocking on doors in the sales world for a company called ZocDoc, which had 10 people back in the day. It would grow to become a unicorn. I did several people leader uh, roles from managing small sales team to eventually managing eight states. I moved on to become a chief revenue officer and grew a team from one to 150. And uh, that business uh, was overwhelming. And, and much like you, I had a really dark period. I think you used the word trauma. I would identify with that where, you know, things spiraled so out of control. They got so big. I was a first time executive that I just burned out. And when that happened and I went to build my own one person business, I, much like you, Justin, started thinking about, well, is it time to bring people on? But I had this sort of, you know, PTSD, for lack of a better description, I know it's not the same thing, uh, where I thought about if I bring people on, what are all the things I have to deal with? I have to deal with cultural problems. I have to deal with um, maybe not hiring the right fit, firing, turning people over, um, you know, going out and handling tough issues in the workplace. And I thought to myself, well, there's still upside to bringing on employees. But what if I took all the benefits of employees, impacting customers, um, being able to do more work, being able to scale? And what if I did that through automation and delegation through outsourcing? And so I saw that as an effective alternative to being able to work with smart people, to being able to scale more efficiently and impacting more customers, all without having the challenges of having full-time employees on my team. And so far, you know, four, four and a half years into my journey, I've been able to impact 25,000 customers. You know, my content's read by half a billion people every year, and I do that as one person. And so I would argue that being able to scale and not impact customers as being a one person business is, it's more difficult, but I would say still attainable. So that's, that's how I think about building a one person business. And again, it doesn't necessarily make it right for everyone, but in my period in time, in my life, it's, it's right for me. Fascinating. So uh, let's get into round one, which is all about going from zero to one. Okay. I feel like, you know, kind of the largest mental chasm is this initial decision, right? Will I do everything myself or should I hire someone to help me? Right. And so then let's say that you do make that jump. Um, the decision to hire a second person is maybe a little less anxiety inducing, right? So Justin, uh, what do you think are some of the fears surrounding like making that first hire and like, why have you chosen like not to do that at your level of scale? Two minutes. Yeah, I think, I think it, it becomes, especially at my scale, which is one person, right? That next hire becomes so critical. It's, it represents 50% of your team when you're just a one person business, when you make a new hire. And when I look at my sort of business, at least the way that my creator business runs, that person has to be a jack of all trades. It can't just be someone who does something really minutely specific. They have to have a deep understanding of internet marketing, of social media, of e-commerce, and they have to be able to function across a wide variety of roles. 
I, I know people exist like that, but I often call those folks purple squirrels, right? They're hard to find and identify and hire and get right and pay for. And there's a lot in getting that right. And, and so that becomes challenging, but then throw it on its head. What happens if you get it wrong, right? I've spent the last four and a half years building a brand that I think has a lot of trust and authority in my small corner of the internet. And if I hire that person and they misrepresent my brand or they misrepresent the outcome or the mission that I'm trying to achieve, I have a lot of fear around what might happen to the business that I've put together over the last four and a half years. Set aside what happens if you do that, it's not the right fit, and then you have to lay that person off. Then you have 50% of your total business employees who are now been laid off who can go out there and talk about that experience. I, I, of course, you can wrap that things up through through legal uh, things like that, but I don't even want to get into that. I'm already starting to have some anxiety just thinking about going through those <laughs> motions. I'll put it back to a very short, quick story. About six Fridays ago or seven Fridays ago, I was ready to go to happy hour with my wife at 4.30. We live up here in upstate New York. We were going to go hang out with some friends and get a glass of wine. And a friend of mine who lives in Cleveland texted me and said he was dealing with a legal issue from an employee of his. He was trying to go out on a date with his wife. They get very little time away from their kids. And here he was Friday, 4.30 p.m. On, uh, dealing with a legal issue. And I just thought, that's not for me. I'd much rather outsource, automate, delegate. Got it. Um... Yeah, that does not sound like fun. Uh, Barrett, uh, your turn. All right. Um, I know I know a bit about the early days of ConvertKit, um, but like, are there headcount numbers where it just kind of gets exponen exponentially more difficult to maintain team co cohesion and you know maybe even start experiencing diminishing returns? Two minutes. Yeah, I mean, definitely, and like I, I identify with both of what you're saying. I'm conscious of not overlapping our conversation too much because I'm playing a role today, which is hired teams. <laughs> Stay in um, your corners, yeah. <laughs> but listen, I've I've managed a lot of people and like I've had my own, you know, trauma, little T traumatic experiences as well. And like my own as well, leaving teams when it was hard. It was, I like got my identity wrapped up in it. And so like I get all of that for sure. I think there's an argument to be made for that being true. Um, in terms of breakpoints in number of people. So at ConvertKit, I was COO, I had responsibility for everything but the product team, and I had 65 of our 75 people reporting into me through five executives. So we kind of had this like tiered structure. I basically ran the business. Nathan ran setting the strategy and vision. Nathan was the CEO of ConvertKit, has been on the show before, go listen to it. Um, and then he ran product, uh, product design and strategy. And then I reported to him. So I joined at a, uh, I was about employee 17 and we were about 75 when I left. So there's a whole like, massive scale beyond that that I haven't been to. Justin's been to it. You've probably been to it. But here are the breakpoints that I think exist. One, that we just talked about. So getting that first employee, it changes everything. Now your responsibilities change. You have to think about more than just you. 15-ish, when everyone stops fitting on a single Zoom screen, you can't have one-on-ones with everyone. It's too many people for you to manage individually. It's somewhere in that like 12 to 15 range where things change. 50 now you've got enough people that you need multiple execs to be able to manage those people effectively. There's teams, there's people doing work. You don't even know what they're up to. Uh, you start to know everyone less. You probably start participating in fewer of the interviews for people to be hired. And then it's, I think, about 150, 500, and then up in the thousands. What changes at 150 is you go from being a team that's like one community where everyone can feasibly kind of know everyone's team to now it's like you don't know everyone definitively. You have no idea what they're working on. There's multiple layers of people between you and the front line. And then at about 500, it's like you're managing a small village. 
And that changes everything. Now it's more like you need a governance structure. You need to think about a lot more legal risk and other problems like that. Huge headache. And then in the thousands, you're basically a corporation. And so you're managing what is, even if you're not public, effectively a public entity that has many, many stakeholders beyond just you and the team. So there's a lot of breakpoints in there. And I think every one of those is a different decision of whether you want to grow beyond that. Good stuff. So congratulations, gentlemen. That is the end of round one. Moving on to round two, let's talk about uh, unexpected benefits. Barrett, um, other than the obvious benefits of growing a team, like let's say just having more bodies to throw at problems, what do you believe are the advantages that most people don't think about? Just having more bodies is probably one of the worst reasons to hire. And I think a lot of times that is why people hire. It's like, I just have stuff that needs to get done. Let me go hire someone. And the thing that I think most people don't think about is when you hire someone, you're now creating a community. Like people are opting in to being part of a community together. For a long time, I used the word family, and I think that can be pretty toxic. And so I'm pretty conscious about using community rather than family because like you don't kick someone out of the family, but you might some ask someone to leave a community. And, and that's a difference in running an organization than running a family. But um, first of all, you get to outsource what you don't like and what you're not good at. Now, Justin will come back and say, but you can automate that or you can hire contractors. And I agree. Also, I think it's easier to maintain standards internally and to really set a standard of excellence when you hire people in full time. Um, secondly, you get to work with world class people. You get to go recruit the people you hire. Like, ah, oh, man, I want to teach the recruiting system I use. But you can literally go scour the Internet for anyone you want and then say, here's my vision. Come join me. Let's do this together. How fun is that? Uh, third. You get to create and experience a culture that's bigger than you. Now it's not just like, what do you want? You get to be part of something together. You get to have people running alongside you and do it as part of a team. And then lastly, you get to grow a skill set around recruiting people, around hiring people, around manage that, managing them, leading them, helping them uh, reach their potential. And I have never found anything as fulfilling as helping people reach their potential. I took that part of my job, which was the managing and leading, and made it my whole thing by becoming a coach because I love it so much. And I think most people don't realize the amount of meaning and purpose that comes from helping people grow in their jobs. All right, Justin, staying solo, what have been the most surprising positive benefits for you? I think it's the ability to be both flexible and adaptable. So I'll give you like an example. Um, I don't want the downside of hiring full-time employees to my business. I've, I've made that pretty clear already. But I do get the upside of working with world-class people. So I'm releasing a new product in January. I've recently introduced email marketing through ConvertKit into my ecosystem. And when I was doing those two things, my, my thought process was, I'm not an expert at that. But I also didn't want to break my, my solopreneur business and start bringing folks onto the team. So I partnered with Brennan Dunn, who's world-class at ConvertKit. I think Barrett, you probably know, probably know uh, Brennan through, through Nathan. Know and love Brennan, and yeah. Yeah, he's, he's excellent, right? But I, I can work with Brennan on a daily basis to improve my email automation, improve my personalization, get all the emails from my courses sounding right, looking right, being personalized, all without having to have any legal risk, all without having to hire and fire people, all without having to manage Brennan on a regular basis because he is world-class. He's self-managing, which is why I love working with folks in terms of, of outsourcing. I also think um, one of the most surprising things is all of the little minute things that you do on a regular basis as a solopreneur are starting to get accelerated through the rise of AI. 
I've been able to brainstorm, I've been able to organize, I've been able to do a lot of things much faster and much more efficiently through the use of generative AI. And of course, you know, Barrett might say, well, that also makes employees more efficient. And I happen to agree with that. But for someone who wants to stay really small, it's a really big improvement to a lot of my systems and a lot of the ways that I'm really efficient. The last thing is, one thing I love about solopreneurship is you can truly unplug. So if you manage people and you have somebody on your team and you go on vacation for three days, if there is a disaster on that team, if there is a cultural problem, if there is something that breaks, your vacation does not matter. You have to fix that problem. I've been in enough organizations, I've been in enough leadership roles to know that's true. I'm sure Barrett would, would likely agree with me on that. Whereas where I go on vacation with my wife, I schedule some social media posts, right? I put them into Taplio or Hype Fury or whatever I'm using at the time. I press, I press publish or schedule and I wipe my hands with it and away I go out with my wife. And that, that true disconnection is so great because like you can outsource your customer service. If you got someone who can't find an invoice or doesn't know how to access, you know, hire a virtual assistant or outsource a virtual assistant and great. It's generally taken care of. I found so far, my wife and I are avid travelers. We've been able to go on three to five big vacations every year and truly unplug without having to manage any issues downstream at all. And to me, that has been surprising and helpful. That's huge. Um, Barrett, I'm sure you want to chime in on that. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by ConvertKit and their creator network. If you're struggling to find time to grow your email list, I've got some super exciting news to share that'll level up your newsletter. ConvertKit just launched the creator network so creators like us can partner with each other to grow our newsletter subscribers. Imagine recommending awesome creators to your new subscribers and in return, having them recommend you to their engaged audience. It's a game-changing win-win scenario. What makes the creator network so special? Well, it simplifies list growth for busy creators. In less than 10 minutes, you'll be able to join, find similar creator newsletters, and begin swapping recommendations. You'll be amazed by how your email subscribers grow on autopilot. I joined not too long ago, and I've gained almost a thousand additional subscribers without doing anything. <laughs> Pretty dope, right? So you can join the creator network today by clicking the link below or visiting creatornetwork.com. That's creatornetwork.com. All right, so we're back, and um, I have just something to throw to both of you. Um, this idea about the difference between a normal kind of corporate business and a creator business. Because oftentimes, like, when you're, let's say, you know, uh, you, you, there's been these graphics where it's like, you see the creator up at the top, right? And you're a normal corporate business. You got the CEO up here and then you've got all these people under him. But then with the creator business, it's almost like an inverted pyramid where if the creator at the very bottom uh, decides to like stop doing or wanting to do the thing anymore, like everything crumbles. And so I'm wondering if, if uh, Barrett, I'll go to you first, if you have any thoughts on the unique challenges and opportunities of creator business, businesses versus others. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved the idea of the inverted pyramid. Like my, my leadership philosophy is servant leadership. I believe that leaders are there to enable and empower and help grow the people that work for them. There are a lot of leaders who don't behave that way. I think that's where a lot of traumatic experiences come from at work is people who basically have not processed their own pain and they inflict that pain upon others as a result of that through leadership. Um, that's for another day perhaps, but the unique challenges of creator businesses, um, Look, I've always said to, uh, and we'll get into more of like what I think the downside of hiring is here in a bit, I think, but 
I've always said that I think if you are honest and you trust people to be adults and handle hard information, that it solves a lot of problems. I think a lot of times leaders feel like they have to clutch on to this truth or information that only they have. And it's like, look, if you're running a business and you don't want to do it anymore, you know how you solve that? You talk to your team. You tell them what's going on. And yeah, it might be scary. They might be thinking, I need to go find another job. But guess what? They might need to go find another job. And so it doesn't change it that you're having the conversation with them. You're a human. Like, yeah, you might change what you want to do. You might realize that the dream you thought you had was a false peak. Okay, fine. Help them go find great jobs. Recommend them to people you tr know, like, and trust. There are ways to solve these problems. But I think so much of what we avoid when we avoid hiring people is our own fear of relationship and vulnerability. I think ultimately leadership is about practicing vulnerability intentionally. And that's what being a CEO is. And so, yeah, there might come a day when everyone has to move on. And also that could be a beautiful day of ritual and celebration and shared praise and a time when you all look back on what you've done together. But we don't treat it like that. We treat it like it's a funeral. And I think that has a huge impact on how we experience it. Hmm. Justin, yeah, thoughts on, you know, the unique characteristics about creator businesses? Yeah, I think it's really interesting I was thinking about someone like Ryan Reynolds the other day who, for lack of a better description, you might consider a creator, right? I don't know if he fits right into that box, but like started as an actor, you know, then I think he had a tequila brand and then mobile phone and, you know, soccer club and all this stuff. And all of that comes off of two things. One is he has some money. That's helpful, right? <laughs> but two, he's also very popular, very recognizable. And so he's able to be sort of a chameleon. He can move from industry to industry, whether it's tequila or soccer or mobile phones, very fluidly because he is a popular creator. He has a large following. People are interested in what he is doing. Now, my, my brand is significantly smaller uh, than, than that. But in my tiny little corner of the internet, I'm able to be flexible and adaptable and see and kind of move like a chameleon. That's what I like about creator businesses. So for example, Justin, if I wanted to start a second newsletter tomorrow, I could do that, right? And I could share it on Twitter or LinkedIn or send my current newsletter and say, hey, I've got this second thing coming out. Probably grow it to 100,000 subscribers very quickly. And with that comes sponsorships or the ability to flip it and sell it. it these creator-led businesses are fantastic because as you grow, you compound in your ability to do interesting things. As you grow, more unique opportunities come to you faster. And when you're able to see those opportunities and actually action them, the impact is faster and bigger almost every single time, unless, of course, you make a, a poor choice. I've seen that with guys like Jack Butcher, who went from writing about building internet businesses to suddenly being, you know, one of the biggest Web3 artists, right? I probably described that wrong because it's not my, my niche. But like, I just see these folks moving from path to path. And that's so, it's fun. It's interesting. It's exciting. And it also allows your audience to see all these different sides of your creativity and the things that you're interested in. And to me, that's what makes creator businesses really exciting. Well, well done. That is the end of round two. Let's get into round three, which is the Uno reverse, where you have to argue each other's positions. So Justin, uh, again, I know you've talked about in your past life, uh, past life, you've helped build, you know, two companies pass a billion dollar valuation, raise over 300 million in venture capital. So 
you know a thing or two about building teams as well. So pretend you are in an alternate timeline uh, and you uh, decide to grow a big team for your current business. Tell me how and why you're going to do it. Yeah, I don't have to pretend. I mean, there's lots of things I miss about building a team, right? Like, um, much like Barrett has talked about, working with smart people is awesome, right? Like, I, I, I think back to building Patient Pop, the second company that I was a part of, and I think about Max Kim Brown and Jess Strickland and Sanjit and Liz Lee and all these people that, you know, either were super young and had very little experience or didn't have much managerial experience and became these thriving all-stars over the course of the five years that I, that I was there. By the way, no thanks to me, thanks to thanks to their own hard work and, and, and curiosity and intelligence. And so I love watching those people grow, just like, like Baird says. And of course, when you hire people that you trust and you put them in positions where um, they can make effective decisions and, and you think that most of the time they will make those effective decisions, number one, you get to take some work off your plate that generally is the stuff that you shouldn't be working on. That's really helpful. And number two, you, you get to flex your leadership muscle, which is at some point, those people are going to make a decision that you might not have made or that is subjectively wrong, right? You, you may, it may not be wrong in the long term, but that's a great teaching opportunity. So you're actually uh, becoming a better leader by by delegating, right? Through delegation, you become a better leader because you can you can help people see obstacles and make better decisions. I miss all those things, right? And I think one of the really cool things about solopreneurship, and this isn't to you know talk about solopreneurship, but it's I can flex to hiring people someday. Someday I might throw my hands up and say, I'm not interested in this anymore, and I'm going to build a team. And like I'm not in a prison or a cage, you know, uh, just just because I talk about it today. Uh, so so those are things I really love about building a team. And I'll just kind of put this last thing out there. I've built such a cool network through the different businesses that I've done. Like I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have a career in healthcare technology and then transition into something that is totally and wildly different. Uh, and I've built this really fun network. So when I think about what I might do 10 years or 20 years down the road, the idea of partnering with someone who I think has a completely different competency than me, who can help me impact a million people worldwide with through some shared mission, like of course, that excites me. I'll, I'll never deny that, that, you know, that upside of, of building a team. One thing I, I took away from um, Tiago Forte's Building a Second Brain was the power of like pulling from a completely different industry or pulling from a completely different subject matter, uh, you know, science fiction book or something that that somehow you're able to like pull, you know, the, <clears throat> the theme into your current work. And like, I never really appreciated the power of that. So that kind of reminded me of what you were saying, Justin, um, Barrett, uh, I want you now to reach back into your past and think about all the crappy stuff that comes with building a team. Like you mentioned drama between employees, you know, company culture challenges. You're just sick of this whole, whole thing now. Um, and I mean, you're a coach now and I assume you don't have any employees, I think. Uh, so give me, give me your best argument for why you're staying solo in this next chapter of your life. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a ton of reasons to do it. Like Justin's made a great argument already. Um, and I do, I have, uh, an assistant, she's not full-time, but, um, she's fantastic. You know, as my business grows, I would like to bring her on full-time. So I, I do view that as different from growing a team though, for the sake of argument. Um, it's like outsourcing all the things I don't want to do to one person I can trust and grow with over time, who is a career executive assistant and phenomenal at what she does. Um, the biggest reason is like, I am a creative person. I say I am a writer and executive coach for a reason. You know, I want to work on writing projects. I want to write books. I want to write essays. I want to share 
I want to create congruency between my inner and outer worlds is really what writing is about for me. It's like processing what I've been through in a way that serves others. Um, and I find that deeply fulfilling and it's a lot easier to do that when I don't have 10 one-on-ones on my calendar for the week. It's like, I do my eight coaching calls for the week, eight hours of coaching work. And then all the rest of the time is mine to do whatever I want. Not having a team means like, if you think you feel fear or have emotional challenges as a leader, you've got however many people, that's the number of times that you have to worry about other people's fear, other people's competing priorities, other people's emotions showing up to work. Like that's the stuff when you're leading teams, it's really hard. It's emotionally taxing um, to have a team. The number of hours and meetings is brutal for a great leader. You just end up meeting all the time because you are serving others. I had 30 to 40 hours of my week booked out immediately every week when I was a COO. And then I had to work. That's not fun all the time. You know, I did not love that. And I definitely burnt out along the way, not just because of that, because of a bunch of other stuff we won't get into today. Um, and then, you know, for me, like before I was not the CEO, but I was, I was in partnership with the CEO and the competing value systems of two human beings or many human beings is hard. Nathan and I had different priorities. We would have run the company differently if it was only one of us. And that back and forth is just stressful. It's like managing a marriage sometimes, you know, not that marriage is to be managed, but it's a partnership. You have to think about what matters to this person and how do I relate to that? And that shows up at work too. You know, when you get someone in that number two seat, you have to think about them and their needs in a way that you don't when it's just you. Like, I don't have to think about that today. I can do whatever I want. I'm taking next week off. I was away last week. I crammed this week with stuff so I can get it all done. I don't have to think about anyone else when I'm doing that. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, and then the last thing is just like the freedom. I can go ski on a weekday. I can cancel all my meetings and do whatever I want. I can take my kid to breakfast and like, I don't have to worry about letting someone down. I'm actually only investing in myself and in others when I'm taking time away from the business. And that's a beautiful thing. And I love that. One, um, thing it reminds me of is when I had the agency, you know, my wife and I still had our personal social media uh, channels, which is like kind of where, where we started all this. And I remember feeling a profound sense of guilt whenever I would like take a vacation or like get an opportunity to, you know, do a partnership that was for my wife and I's kind of personal business. And there was this weird thing where it was like, my I felt like I was letting my employees down or that they were mad at me for like, you know, making money in other ways beyond you know, the agency business, which was, you know, to be fair, like that was their livelihood. Right. And it was this very, it, it started, I don't know, grading on me in terms of like, uh, I didn't feel whole because I felt like I was like average at both things. It was, yeah, I, I definitely identify with, with what you're saying of like the freedom to be able to just like <laughs> take your kid to school, you know, pick them up every day, drop them off, this type of thing. Um, super interesting guys. Well, Barrett, Justin, it's time to make your final appeal on the other end of your camera, on the other end of your microphone is a creator who is relying on you to make this tough decision. So convince them that growing a team or staying solo is the best move for them. Barrett, you have one minute. The number one wish I have for you is to build the business that you've always wanted. I really hope that you don't let fear or past bad experiences prevent you from hiring a team just because you're scared it's gonna happen again. I think that's a bad way to go about life because it holds you back. You don't find out what you're capable of. I think that on the other end of hiring people, you can build a community of very talented people that matter deeply to you, that could be friends and colleagues for the rest of your life. 
you can create jobs that give people meaning, that connect them to the work they do every day, that make them better family members, that make them better husbands, wives, parents, and that provide a livelihood for a lot of good people. And more than anything, I think it will increase the impact you can have on the world. And I'm in this business of coaching because I want to increase the impact, to solve hard problems, and to use business to do it. And I think uh, I've always said it as two or uh, one person teams don't build jet engines. And a lot of problems in the real world require teams. And I want a lot of courageous people to take that leap so that we can solve the things that really matter in the world. I feel like you were speaking directly into my soul with that one, Barrett. Thank you. Um, uh, all right, Justin, you're up. You got one minute. You only live one life. And the biggest currency in life, you know, we see it on the internet. People think it's money. It isn't. It's time. And especially when you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, some of your probably better earning years, when you're still in physical shape, when you're nurturing the relationship with your spouse, your partner, your kids, watching your kids grow up, right? That to me is the prime time in your life where you wanna be doing as many things that you love to do and as few of the things that you don't like to do. And when you're a solopreneur, you get to make those choices. You don't have to scale. I don't have quarterly growth targets. I don't have one-on-ones. I don't have to uh, walk away from a, a, a date with my wife when I'm in Sayulita, Mexico because outreach broke down at my last company during the middle of my time at noon, right? All of those things are little t traumatic to my, my past life. I want to build a business and I hope that you listening want to build a business where you can spend as much time as possible with your partner, watching your kids grow up, being an active and involved parent in your kids' sporting events, in their schooling, and getting all of the things that Barrett talked about, helping people, helping people grow into thriving leaders. You can get that through church, through social activities. There are so many different places where you can make an impact in the world, but when it comes to the 40 hours that you spend every week building a business, do it in a way that allows you to spend as much time doing what you like and as little time doing what you don't. That's my take. Well, thank you so much, Justin and Barrett. And now you, dear creator, watching and or listening, who won this creator debate? You can vote by clicking the link in the episode description or letting us know on social media by tagging at creator debates. You can tag Justin and tag Barrett. Um, so Justin, hit us with the call to action. Uh, where can people uh, learn more and follow you on social media? They can learn more about me at Justin Welsh. That's W-E-L-S-H dot M-E, Justin Welsh dot me. Uh, on Twitter at the Justin Welsh and at LinkedIn at Justin Welsh. Well, why I love following you, Justin, um, you are unbelievably disciplined with your content and your output while I think maintaining super high quality. And it's been so inspiring to watch your growth like over the last few years. Um, the way that you... Uh, meticulously track and iterate. I know a little bit inside baseball because I also work with Brennan at Slice and Dice. Uh, and just like, you know, the just like how you iterate based on what's working and what's not is something that um, I think a lot of creators aspire to, but really find really hard to implement, I think. So the fact that you're so open about everything you do is I think going to continue to have such a massive impact on creators for years to come. So thanks for all you do. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And Barrett, uh, hit us with your CTA. Yeah, I'll just add a, a plus one to both Justin's here. Obviously, if you're listening, you already know Justin more, but Justin Welsh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter for sure. Um, well, uh, you can find me on any social media platform, Barrett A. Brooks, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-A -T -T Brooks. 
my website, barrettbrooks.com slash debate. We'll have a download for you of uh, a workshop that I did that Justin was at this year, actually, on all of the emotional barriers to uh, scaling your business, whether you grow a team or not, and coaching exercises and questions that will help you break through those. Um, and then lastly, if you do over a million dollars in your creator business and you're looking for a great executive coach, barrettbrooks.coaching has all my details there. Why I love following you, Barrett, um, not many people know this, but the conference that you just mentioned, uh, Craft and Commerce, uh, you made me cry uh, in a good way. Uh, <laughs> I think you, you really have a, uh, a special talent to, to connect with people on a deeper level and get, just get right to the heart of, I think, the visceral challenges that we're all, we're all going through. And so I'm not sure how you do it, but uh, you know, I'm so thankful to know you, and I think you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing right now. And I can't wait to see your fingerprints on the next generation of creators, man. Oh, thank you. It means a lot. Yeah. And now it is time for Creator Debates After Dark, where Justin and Barrett are going to stick around for a little bit longer and share their stories and spicy hot takes on the creator economy. These After Dark episodes are available exclusively to students of my Brand Deal Wizard program and community. So if you'd like to support what we do here and level up your sponsorship strategy, check out the link below. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, there's one simple thing that you can do that is totally free and truly helps us out. Will you tell a friend about Creator Debates, whether it's sending them a text message with a link to this episode or posting about it somewhere on the internet? The only way that we can reach more creators is with your help spreading the word. So thank you. All right. That's a wrap. Until next time.